So how are we doing, Metro? At both of our campuses, I am so glad that you're here. I am legit excited uh, that you're here. And for those of you who come with an open heart, uh, wanting to hear, uh, ready to hear, I, I think that God is going to use this time to breathe life into your soul. I really do believe that. Um, but I don't quite know how to say this on the other side, but if you've come into this space not ready, not wanting to hear, uh, you simply won't hear the voice of God. And it'll be even worse than that. I'm afraid, I'm a little bit worried that with some of the things that I think God has led me to share tonight, that it might even be offensive to you. It might be something, instead of drawing you nearer to Christ, if you're not ready to hear these words, I think it might actually push you away in some ways. Um, as I was preparing for this, I, uh, I wrestled with God, and I don't say that lightly. I prayed that um, God would give me an easier, uh, happier message. Uh, but sometimes God doesn't listen to me, <laughs> and I need to listen to him. And so uh, God has put some things in my heart that are meant to stir your soul, to go where God wants me to go with this. And so my hope is, is that you will be open to this, that you will be ready for this, that you will come along with me on this journey. Are you ready for this? So here's where we're gonna go. I don't normally start a message like this. Normally I'm very winsome, funny, very engaging. Um, but I just wanna read to you at both of our campuses an extended teaching from Jesus. Just want to read his words to you with very little comment, and then we'll unpack it a little bit. But this is what Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 7, Matthew's gospel, chapter 7. It says this, enter, starting in verse 13, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Then Jesus gives us another warning. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears what? Bad fruit. A, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, it's cut down, and it's thrown into the fire. Thus, by your fruit, Jesus says, you will recognize them. Then he says, not everyone who says to me on that day, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those, the one, only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles and in your name go to church and in your name help out with this good cause or that bad cause, in your name sing that song, in your name give a few dollars. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Then he says, therefore, 
Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew against and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Father, um, we come to you, I come to you, in the name of your son, Jesus. Father, you know our hearts. You know every person in this space. You know those who are truly yours and those who are wandering. You know those whose faith gives life and those whose faith is little more than a deception. God, I know in your scripture, you teach us that you have great delight in giving mercy and grace. It thrills your heart, God, to show us goodness and mercy. You do not desire that any of us would perish and be separated from you for eternity in this place called hell. That is not your wish, God, for humanity. So God of heaven, I would pray that you would bring great glory to yourself by working through your spirit to produce life out of dead bones. Tonight, God, I pray that you would change hearts, change directions, make the blind of spirit see tonight. God, make the death of soul hear tonight your, ver- your words, your voice. Help us, God, to love you, but make us to fear you. Stir something deep inside of us, God. I pray that the power of sin would no longer rob us of a right relationship with you. God, I pray that the enemy of God, the devil, would not stand between you and us just over the next few moments. God, we want to hear clearly from you. Speak, oh God, for your child is listening. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, let me just read it to you once again, verse 13, 14. It says this, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only, only a few find it. One of the most dangerous things that you can do is to teach half of a truth, right? To present only half of what is good, half of what is right, half of the fullness, right? It's a very dangerous thing to present a half truth. But, but we do this all the time, right? We, we, we teach our kids, for example, that, that you can do anything that you want in this world, that you can become anything that you want in this world, that you can rise to whatever level that you want in this world. But we only teach them half of a truth because we don't often say, but if you are going to accomplish all that you dream, it will take years of discipline, years of hard work, years of sacrifice, right? We, we, we teach half truths all the time. We, we tell people, listen, you're, you're free to do what you want in this world. You can, you can do whatever you want. You can pleasure yourself in any way that you want. 
You know, just run after every desire that your little heart has and it'll be fine. But friends, you know and I know that that is not the full truth of God. Absolutely, you can run after anything that your heart desires. But what we often do not teach is the other half of that coin where if you run after everything that your heart desires, often you'll find that the cost is very high. Too high. It will end up costing you way more than you ever, ever dreamed. And friends, it is the same. In the Christian church, where we present half the truth all the time, where we get around only one side of the, of the coin, where we only show one side of, of the story. I hear preachers in the church all the time. I listen to Christian songs in the church all the time uh, that, that's, and Christian writers that talk about how God loves us and cares about us and wants to show us his amazing love and he will forgive us over and over and over and over and how he wants to bless us. And friends, all of that is true. But it is only half of the truth. We, we, we understand, and it's a good thing that we are taught that, that Jesus is the gateway to God. You understand this, right? This is, this is true, that uh, it's, it's Jesus that gets us to God. It's through Jesus that we come to God. And, and so we think that, you know, if we sing songs about Jesus or read books about Jesus or come to church and listen to things about Jesus, that somehow you'll be made right with God. And friends, it is true that Jesus is the way to God. This is what Christians believe because Jesus taught us this. He taught us that he is the only way to God. And friends, I get it. The world utterly rejects this. The world pushes against this. And I know that some of you already in this room are ready to tune me out because of this. Please, friends, I beg you, do not tune me out. Do not do that. I do not want to bring you this message. I have to bring you this message. There's a difference. My job is to present the fullness of scripture. All of it. All of it. To hold back nothing from God's people. Amen? That is the rule God has given to me. And the scriptures do teach us that Jesus is the gateway to God. The scriptures are clear that there is no other kingdom, no other way into the kingdom of God that, that you cannot and will not be saved unless you humble yourself going through the gateway whose name is Jesus. You'll never find forgiveness of your sin unless you turn your heart toward Christ. Salvation, listen friends, is not a prayer. Salvation is not even an idea. It is not a destination. It is a person. You hear me, friends? It is a relationship. The grace of God is not just some theological truth that is dispensed to us. It is found in a relationship with the Son of God whose name is Jesus. And friends, listen, some of you have been trying all of your life to be made right with God. You've been trying all of your life to somehow find peace with God. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. You will never find peace with God without going through the gateway of Jesus. That narrow pathway to Jesus. That is the only way that you will find rightness with God. And friends, I do not say this lightly. I hate saying this. But if you miss Jesus, you will miss forgiveness. If you miss Jesus, you will miss the kingdom of God and you will spend an eternity in a devil's hell. That is what the scripture teaches us. It teaches us that we need to bow our lives before him, to come through him, friends. And a lot of us know this. The, the, the church knows this. The church preaches this. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. And all of that is very true. 
but it is only half of the truth. And friends, I'm afraid that, that many American Christians and many Christians and many people in our church, our little church, because they simply believe in Jesus, they will miss him for all of eternity. Because it is not enough to simply know about him, to even have your mind ascend to him. It takes something more than that. Jesus said that there is this gate that is, that is small and this road that is narrow and we talk about the gate. But friends, that is only half of the truth. What about the road? What about the road? Jesus talked about a gate and a road. Jesus talked about a gate and a pathway. Jesus talked about a gate and a way to travel. Wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to, to death. But narrow is the gate, small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. He, he, he says that there is one gate, but after you enter through that gate, there is a narrow pathway, there is a narrow road. It starts with this gate, but once you get through it, it's a pathway, it's a direction. It's a road that travels somewhere. Anybody ever been like on a highway and uh, somebody's coming at you in the wrong direction? Anybody? It's only happened to me once in my life. It was in the late evening. It was dark. And all of a sudden, way up the road, I'm cruising. I think it was northbound on 75. And I see this pair of headlights coming at me. I'm thinking, that's got to be on the other side of the road. But it looks on my side of the road. There is a problem coming at me right now. There is a definite problem coming at me because this looks like it's on my side of the road. It should be on the other side, but it looks like it's on my side of the road. And listen, friends, listen, when you are traveling at 70 miles an hour and somebody else is traveling at you at 70 miles an hour, you are going to kiss quicker than you think, right? Now, thank God in that moment, this nut stops his car in the middle of the highway and literally turns around. But friends, let me tell you something. I think this is where many of us land. Many American Christians land. Is that you are heading the wrong way on a one-way street. I think if we were to make an honest summation of, of what we see around us. And friends, I'm not talking just about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about us. If we were to make an honest summation of what we see with American Christians, I, I would think that we could conclude that that we've rewritten this verse. And we say, yay to Jesus. Yes, there is a narrow, small gate, but broad is the road that leads to life. A small gate, a narrow gate, but broad is the road that leads to life. And friends, that is simply not what Jesus taught. That is simply not what the scripture teaches us from the beginning to the end. I have met countless Christian people who, who say, oh, I love Jesus. Oh, Jesus is my savior. Uh, but, but it seems to me, and I know this sounds so judgmental. I don't mean it for it to sound judgmental. But it just seems to me that they're heading in the wrong direction, that they're not on the right road at all. That their heart is not pleasing the heart of God. Countless self-professing Christians believe that, that they're going to heaven because that they came through this narrow gateway somewhere back there in their life. They prayed this prayer. They had a come to Jesus moment and they think that that is enough to save them. But let me tell you what the scripture says. I do not say this lightly. The, the scripture says for you and for me to be holy, 
because God is holy. And that is terrifying. If you take your faith serious at all, that is a terrifying statement from the God above. To be holy because God himself is holy. That we are to reflect him. That we are to become more like him. That we're to be on his pathway, on his road. But the truth is for me and probably for a whole bunch of you is I don't like being told what to do. Not even by God. That I think my way is better than God's way. And friends, I know that I'm not alone in this. We're no different than the world around us half the time. He says, be different, be holy because I am holy, be different because I am different. And yet our language is no different. The coarseness of our life is no different. Our gossip is no different. Our addictions are no different. Our entertainment is no different. Our sexuality is no different. We do not honor God with what he has taught about men and about women and about marriage and about sexuality. Our generosity is no different. Our kindness Our greed, our gentleness, it's no different. We celebrate what the world celebrates and we do not celebrate what God celebrates. We have little grace for others. We are angry. We worry too much and trust far, far too little. We honor Jesus with our lips, but our lives deny him. Actually are moving in a different direction. So, so many people think that maybe uh, even in our church, our little church here, that they passed through the narrow gate because they came to this defining moment where they, they prayed a simple prayer. They recognized who he was. They identified the gate. And they said, this is where my hope is. But if it stops there, is that really both sides of the coin that Jesus laid out for us? And some people in the room are going, oh, honey, I think we came to the wrong church. I told you they were just like anybody else. They're judging and they're thinking they're better than us. And da, da. Friends, I don't think I'm better than you. This is for me. This starts with me. And this is you. And this is for you. It is dangerous, friends. Listen, it is dangerous to teach only half of a truth. Amen. I don't say this because I think I'm better. I don't say this because I'm angry. I say this because I love you. And I say it because it is true that there is a gate and there is a road. And they go together. Do you realize that through history, church history, that there has been this vicious cycle over and over and over again? I speak to you not as a preacher, but as a historian. You, you, You see this where a people a family, a family line, a city, maybe a church that rises up in a city. And something profound happens. They meet the grace of God. They become born again. They, they start something new. The fire of God is placed in their soul. They have a turn of heart. They have a change of direction. And that first generation or two is on fire. Their hearts are set ablaze. But you go back through history. What, what, what sets the hearts of the first generation ablaze is barely tolerated by the second and it is abandoned by the third. Over and over. They, and what is handed down is not this vibrant relationship with God's son. It is not this spirit-led life that, that transforms and sets the direction of your life. What you see is a creed that is given. Assent, uh, an assent to an intellectual understanding. But it's not in the heart. There's a creed given, but not a way. There's a set of beliefs, but not a road to travel. 
And, and many generations afterwards, they say, oh, I'm a Christian. But it means nothing. Oh, Jesus is the, is the good guy. He's the way. But it means nothing. And friends, it is a dangerous, dangerous thing to present only half of the truth. Because far too many of us have come through the narrow gate, but we're living on the broad road. And friends, I'm guilty of this. Maybe our church is guilty of this, but you've heard it said over and over, come to Jesus and it'll be great. Come to Jesus and he'll bless you like crazy. Come to Jesus and he will forgive you again and again. Come to Jesus and he'll make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. Uh, But we forget that Jesus is just... The the gate is one thing, but the road is a different thing altogether. The gate is small, but the road is narrow. It is like you pass through and then there is a direction for you after that. It requires more than some prayer that you prayed. And some of us should have our soul shaken right now because we're relying on a faith that was started through a simple prayer and that's where it ended. Because we had a moment that we felt bad or a moment that we were in trouble or a moment that we needed God's help in some way. But it hasn't gone anywhere since then. The early church, the early followers of Jesus, um, the unbelieving world was looking on at them. The Roman world was looking at these Christians and into their relationship with God and, and they noticed something. They would say of these early Christians, they would say, you guys are so weird. You're so strange. You're so peculiar. You're you're so different because there's a different, listen, a different way about you, a different pathway to God that you're following. You're not like the Romans and you're not like the Jews. You, you, You follow in a different way and they literally gave it a term. The early Romans gave an expression toward the early Christians and they said that they are members of the way. And who is the way? Jesus. They're, they're following in the way of Jesus. He's a road. He's a direction. And if you were to look in the book of Acts over and over, I think chapter 9, I think chapter uh, 19, 22, 23, 24, all of them repeat this little phrase. They were part of the way. They were part of the way. They were on a journey. They were heading somewhere. There was a road in their life. There was a path that was different. They were part of the way, part of the, part of the way. As a matter of fact, this man named Paul, one of the great early church leaders who had a radical transformation in his life, he was heading in one direction and he meets Jesus in a very, very big way and he literally turns around and his life changes. It totally transforms. And he is arrested later in his life and he stands trial before the governor over that region. His name was Felix. And Felix was a Roman governor who was, who was commissioned to make sure that the Christian faith, this little burgeoning Christian faith was to be stamped out. And so Paul is set on trial before Felix. And Felix is saying, you're guilty of presenting something different to living something different because Caesar is Lord, but you're saying Caesar's not Lord. And Paul is saying, absolutely, that's the case. Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. And then in the book of Acts chapter 24, Paul is on trial. And listen to this. He gives a very simple response to all of the accusations that came his way. He says, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the, the way. Coming to the gate, who is Jesus? Friends, let me tell you something. That is the starting point. That is not the finish line. That is where you get started. A person is saved through faith. Faith that is holding on to a person named Jesus. 
Faith is about trusting in the word of Jesus. Faith is about a relationship with him. It is not about a prayer. It is not an intellectual idea. It is a relationship with him. That is what faith is about. And I'm so worried that many of my friends, even in this place, you're trusting in some moment of decision instead of trusting in the relationship, instead of trusting in obedience, instead of walking in faithfulness. You're relying on the fact that somewhere back there after church one day, and I'm glad you do this, but after church you came up and you prayed with one of the pastors. And you're relying on that to be saved. And friends, that is simply not salvation. Jesus is salvation. Your salvation is found in a relationship with him. And friends, there is a huge difference. Listen to me. Between a prayer and a relationship, there is a huge difference difference between a decision and a direction. Come on. You hear me? There is a huge difference between a decision and a direction for your life. Many modern Christians think that because they answered correctly a series of questions that they're saved. Do you believe that you're a sinner? Yes, I do. I've sinned quite a few times, like seven. Right? Did you feel bad about your sin? Yes, I did. Did you feel really bad about your sin? Yes, I do. Do, do. do you want to go to heaven? Absolutely, I want to go to heaven. Do you want to pray and ask Jesus into your heart? Yes, I would like to pray and ask Jesus into my heart. Will you repeat after me? Yes, I'll repeat after you. Did you ask Jesus to come into your heart? Yes, I did. Do you feel better now? Yes, I do. Good, now you're saved. Friends, that is not scriptural at all. You're not saved because of that. You're saved because you come into a relationship at that moment. But we got to figure out where that relationship goes because there is a gate and there is a path. There's a gate and there is a road. There is a gate and there is a way to travel. And for many, our faith hasn't really gotten past a prayer. And can I just tell you that a simple prayer is not enough somewhere back there. It is simply not enough. That is just the beginning because Jesus says, Anybody can go through a gate. There's a wide gate out there. And there's a broad road and it leads you right into the gates of hell. But there is a narrow gate, a small gate, and a narrow pathway that leads you to life. The Christian faith starts with a moment of repentance. And it is a journey that takes you toward God, relying on him and him alone for your salvation. And so what about this road? Well, the scripture says it like this, is that there is, how, how do you know? Like people say, oh, let me Pastor Jay, I want to know I'm, I'm a Christian. I want to know I'm saved. There is this verse in the book of 1 John. Uh, it, it says, it says uh, I write these things to you, brother, so that you will know, not just guess, hope, pray, and wonder that you're saved, that you may, that you may know it. And here's how we know it, I think, is that the evidence that, that you have, is there evidence that you have passed through the small gate and are you now walking in the narrow way? Is there evidence that, evidence that you've passed through the gate and are now walking in the narrow way? Is there evidence that you have passed through this small gate and is there evidence that you are now walking in the narrow way? Is there evidence that you have come into this relationship with God? Well, Pastor Jay, I prayed a prayer. Well, there's no evidence in that. That means very little. That is a starting point. It's a good thing, and I want you to come and pray, and I want you to uh, respond to God in those ways. But friends, it is a starting point. Can we agree? Come on, are you with me? 
Because Jesus goes on, he says there's a gate and there's a road. And then he tells about how there's good fruit and bad fruit. And you can tell the difference between good fruit and bad fruit, can you? Have you ever met somebody? I, mean, I know it sounds so judgmental, and it's not my point. But have you ever met somebody who goes, oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, Ooh, and they do the whole thing. And you go, but I see no difference between you and anybody else in the world. There's a gate in the road, and then, and then there's good and bad fruit. And then he dials it up and he says there's a difference between true followers and false followers and a whole bunch of people are going to be terribly let down one day because they think that because they believed in Jesus that somehow God owes them something because you came to church at Metro and you helped out a little bit or you gave a little bit that somehow God owes you something you're going to be terribly let down because he's going to look at you and go even the demons believed and they did something more than you. They believed and they trembled they believed and they had a fear. They believed and they had an awe. They, they believed and their bodies shook because they, they understood the presence of God. And he's going to look and he's going to say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Believing is only one side of the coin. The road is the other side. Uh, and then he ends with this idea that you build a life on sand or you build it on rock, but sand shifts and, and rock moves, or rock does not move. Uh, sand kind of falls away, but rock stays solid. And you have a choice. You're building your life on something. Every one of us builds a life. And you can build it on sand or you can build it on rock. And he says, people who know me, people who have an evidence that they've gone through the gate are building their life on my word on the relationship that they have with me. This is what it means to build your life on the rock. The word of God is the rock. The, your relationship with Jesus is the rock. You're, the way you love him, the way you fear him, the way you come after him is the rock of your life. And he says, you can build one way or the other, but one's going to end in a terrible crash. And one is going to remain strong for all of eternity. By the way, we're in the unseries. Maybe I should have cued you in on that a little while ago. Uh, because sometimes you have to un-things in your life, right? We, we talked about you have to undo things. We, we talked about how you have to sometimes walk into the unknown. And, and, and then we talked about this idea that sometimes you have to get unstuck in different areas of your life. Anybody with me? But there is one really, really, really big question that we got to get around. You can get stuck with your faith. You can get stuck right in the gate. Is there any evidence in your life that, that you're on the narrow road? That is the question we gotta wrestle with. Is there any evidence that your life is producing something different? Because let me tell you something, friends, you, you, can't, you can hide faith. You, here's what happens to a lot of people is you kind of come and you have this defining moment because life is crashing around you or something's happening and you're just moved in your soul a little bit and you go, okay, okay, I've come to the gate. But after that, you take this thing called faith and you pack it in a backpack. And it's not in front of you, it's behind you. It's underneath you, not above you. And you just kind of drag it through life and you pull it out whenever you need it. You pull it out when things are crashing and it becomes like a crutch, like, oh God, I need a little bit of magic right now. Please God, please God, please God, please God. Are you hearing me, friends? And we treat God like he's a magician to come to our, our rescue when we need him. Friends, we can live that way with faith stuck in the back or, listen, or 
Here it is. Or we can live unashamed. We can live with faith moved from the back to the front. We can move with faith moved from the bottom to, to the top of our life. We can, we can begin to, to move out of just that gate and to live on the road that is traveling toward God. We can live unashamed. Anybody hear me? Anybody with me so far? Uh, remember, there's this little verse, and it's an amazing verse, and it is a horrible verse. It is a difficult, difficult verse. Verse And it's found in the book of, of Romans chapter one. And it says this, it says this, it's an amazing verse. Paul writes it. Uh, Paul is this man who had this amazing moment of conversion. He was heading in one direction, turned to go the other way. And he says this, for I am not ashamed. Romans 1, 16, for I am not, what is this word? Ashamed, for I am not, say it with me, both of our campuses, ashamed. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. For everyone who believes, Paul has this moment where he's heading in one direction and everything turns, everything changes. He meets Jesus, he falls in love with Jesus, he prays some sort of prayer that gets him down this road and then he decides to actually get on the road. He decides to become a follower of Jesus. He's on the road with Jesus, he's on the way with Jesus and it's like he says this, he's like, listen up everybody, I got big news. For a long time in my life, Faith was hidden somewhere else, but I am not that way anymore. Listen to me, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. I'm not shy about Jesus. I'm not shy about my faith anymore. I'm not embarrassed by Jesus. I'm not hiding Jesus in some backpack in my life. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Anybody? You hear me what I'm saying? He, he says, you can't persuade me into thinking something different. You can't convince me into believing something different. You can't intimidate me into feeling something different. I'm immobile. I, I, I'm immovable. I'm impenetrable. I am not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of what he's done in my heart. I'm not ashamed of what he's done in my life because it is true. It is real. It is alive. I've tasted it. I've felt it. I've seen it. I've experienced it. And I believe it. I was blind, but now I see. This is my life now. This is all I know. This is the path I'm on. And it's way better than the path I was on before. I don't need to go looking around because I already found it. I don't need to go seeking anything because I already found it. It's found in Jesus. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul says it is the power of God. He says I've shifted from the back to the front, from the bottom to the top of my life. He says I have answers to the life questions. I have solutions to life problems. I have a cure for life's pain. I have meaning for life's purpose. It is the gospel, it is the gospel, it is the gospel, and I'm gonna tell everyone I know, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna show everyone. I'm not gonna be afraid to live it out. I'm not gonna stay in the closet of faith anymore. What does it mean to be unashamed, friends? What does it mean to be unashamed? What does that possibly look like? Uh, there's this pastor, his name is John Chintzy, kind of a weird name. Uh, he leads a ministry called Psalm 40, uh, and it's a great little ministry. He's got some great stuff, and, and he says it like this. He says, just look at the way we run after actors and artists and athletes. Just look at the way we follow them. Uh, he says we're unashamed of them, right? We're passionate about them. We're invested in them. Uh, we, we, we will stand in the scorching heat to, uh, you know, to watch them move a ball around. We will stand in lines for hours just to get up close to them. We will, we will invest our time, our money, our efforts into them. Uh, we will stay up all night to watch the latest movie from them. We'll invite them into our homes and into our lives. We will get all emotional over them. When someone talks bad about our idol, we like, woo what are you talking about? 
what are you talking about? And we'll like study them and we'll post about them and we'll tweet them and we'll spend thousands and thousands and thousands of our dollars on them. But Jesus, you don't need to get too fired up about him. Pastor John goes on to say it like this. It's okay to be a sports fan or a movie buff. It's okay to have a favorite athlete or an artist. It's okay to go out and play games and have hobbies. What's not okay is coming to church with no desire to worship the God who created it all. What's not okay is living like the rest of the world lives. What's not okay is not sharing this free gift of eternal life that God has given to you to share with everyone. What's not okay is being a closet Christian about the gospel. It's not okay to, to hide your faith. What's not okay is to be embarrassed about your relationship with Jesus. Friends, listen, if you were to ask your uh, favorite actor when, when your heart is broken to come and just spend some time with you, how do you think that's going to go? Right? Go, go when, when, when you need healing in your life, go just pray to your favorite team. When something is missing and something is lonely inside of you, just, just go ask your favorite artist to come and spend some quality time and write you a personal song. Ain't gonna happen, right? Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God that, that, that saves me. At what point in our lives are we gonna start living out Romans chapter one, verse 16? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What we need is to be people who care far less about what the world thinks and far more about what God thinks. Right? Listen to me, friends. Faith isn't something that you just take on the road with you. Faith is the road. Jesus isn't just, you know, part of the journey. He is the journey. It's just not something that you carry along. He is the one who's carrying you. Your relationship with Jesus is meant to shape every part of who you are. What if I was to keep uh, Jesus out of my financial decisions, out of my ethical decisions, my moral decisions, my relational decisions, my sexual decisions? What, what if I did that? Friends, how about, let me ask you like this. What if I did that with my wife? What if I kept Lynette out of my financial decisions? What if I kept Lynette out of my sexual decisions? How do you think that would go? Nowhere. You see, because why? I love her. We have a relationship together. We do life together. My relationship with her shapes every part of who I am. It ought to. And my relationship with the Son of God is the road I travel. It shapes every part of who I am. At least it ought to. Jesus said it like this one time. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in all of his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Friends, listen, no more closet Christianity. It is time to move. It is time to move our faith from the back to the front. I get people all the time who say, well, uh, Pastor Jay, Pastor Jay, I, 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 went out, I did that prayer thing and I'm like, I'm glad you did the prayer thing. And they'll go like, I have a whole new relationship with God. And I'm like, I'm glad you have a whole new relationship with God. But let me ask you a question. Do you have a whole new relationship with your sin? Do you have a whole new relationship with all of those things that has hold, held you down? Because if you have a real relationship with Jesus, it'll change all that eventually. It'll start speaking into all that eventually. It'll begin to move you somewhere else eventually. 
If it's real, is there evidence that there is something moving in your life? Are you on a different road? I want to leave you with uh, just this one little thing. Um, man, when I read this, I've, this has been around for a while. It probably isn't new to some of you. Uh, but it's called The Fellowship of the Unashamed. And I don't really know who wrote it. I couldn't figure that out exactly. So I don't know who to give credit to. Uh, I don't think anybody can prove who wrote it. Uh, but it is so good. And it goes something like this. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. And my future is secured. I am a follower of Jesus. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth needs, colorless dreams, chintzy given, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudettes, or popularity. I now live by presence, lead by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or even delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. Hesitate. In the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy. I will not ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until heaven returns, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem recognizing me, for my colors will be clear.